Tony Campolo here, inviting you to stay tuned for the next half hour. The name of this show is From Across the Pond. We call it that because we put it together in the United States, specifically in St. David's, Pennsylvania. I've been a professor at Eastern University here in St. David's, and we use the studios of Cabrini University. Eastern is an evangelical school, a solid liberal arts university, as is Cabrini, which is a Catholic university. We're in close relationships. These two schools work with each other across denominational lines. Catholic, it's Cabrini, Evangelical Baptist, that's Eastern. Both are solid liberal arts schools with a huge curriculum. Whatever you're studying, pre-med, pre-law, want to be a school teacher, a social worker, we've got it all. My guest today on the show is John Frame. And um, John is an author, and he's worked with the homeless. Um, He's um, done academic work, serving uh, on the faculty of North Central University, a virtual university in the United States. He spends a lot of time with his wife and and doing the work of Jesus there in the United Kingdom. Uh, He met his wife, interestingly enough, in a souvenir shop in Istanbul, Turkey. That's weird in itself. So I think you're going to enjoy listening to what he has to say. Welcome to the show, John. Yeah, hi, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. Now, you wrote this book, Homeless at Harvard, and I just went through it, and I just sent the book to my son-in-law, who is the executive vice president at Harvard University. And I said, I think you need to read this because there are homeless people in the, in the Harvard yard that you're not paying attention to. So uh, the book's getting out there to the Harvard people it's, uh, themselves. Tell us about the book and how it came to be written. Yeah, Tony. Well, um, as you said, around Harvard University is the business district. It's called Harvard Square. And there are a lot of people who live out on the streets in Harvard Square. And when I was at Harvard a few years ago, um, I found it to be a very interesting community of people. And they were all from all from different walks of life, of course. There were uh, some younger people who were kind of like travelers. But then there was more of the sort of the established uh, homeless community. And I know things have changed, as they always do. But at that time, there were a number of people out there, and they knew each other. And they had a community. And, and that's what this book is about. This book is about my life on the streets um, over one summer, living life with these people, learning from them, with them, about them, about life on the streets, about life in general. And that's what Homeless at Harvard is about. Well, you said they have a sense of community. What does that mean? How do they have a sense of community? What do they do that gives you the idea that they have a sense of community? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And it was something that I learned over time about what it was like. I mean, there are some people who are close with each other, some people who didn't like each other, some people that stayed away from each other, others that gravitated toward each other. And, you know, they sort of just got along with each other as much as they could. Sometimes they um, shared things with each other. They they talked or gossiped with each other because they all had something in common, and, and that was they were all living in that general area. And so whenever, just like in our own neighborhoods, um, our own universities, our own communities, our own churches, when we're around people um, continuously, we do get to know them. 
And I can't say that everybody who was homeless in that area was part of the community or, or close with each other. But in general, I would say there was a community there. And I don't know how common that is. I would say that's common in some communities and some areas within other homeless communities because sometimes people do camp together and such. But it was something that was very interesting and something that was very compelling to me as I was learning um, about this community. There are two places in the United States where I know there's a sense of community among some homeless people. Uh, one is in, uh, in Waco, Texas. There's a group of homeless people in that small city uh, who live under a bridge uh, when it's raining, and they actually have a worship service. They have a church under the bridge. Uh, they call it the church under the bridge. Uh, and there's about 40 or 50 of them uh, that gather there for worship on Sunday. I know that because I've spoken at that church. And the same is true in London. Uh, there's a, a group of people who live under Waterloo Bridge uh, there in London. And uh, uh, they uh, take care of each other. They uh, reach out to help each other. They take care of each other when there's sickness or need. So uh, it's interesting that this, this uh, uh, concept of community emerges among these people who look like they're total, uh, totally alone in the world. They are not always alone. Some of them are alone, but uh, uh, many of them have friends who are homeless along with them. Tell me, uh, what are the things that the church needs to learn about homeless people? Wow. Well, what a big question. Well, you wrote a book I, on this. Um, you ought to be able to just flip out the answer. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, questions like this are tough because they're, you know, they're, they're not easy to answer. I can't say I'm the model. I'm somebody who, you know, is, is learning and has continued to learn and still has a long way to go, right? You know, I'm not the model. Jesus is the model. But what can the Church learn? And let me just say, people? When, when you say uh-huh. Jesus, Jesus is the model— He's the one who said, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I mean, he called people to be his disciples and promised them homelessness if they did follow him. Yes, indeed. And, you know, we, we first, as a church, um, we have to recognize our privileges. We have to, we have to acknowledge um, the, the reality of, of our lives. Um, not all of us are well off, but the reality of our lives and the reality of many people in the world, it's not just homeless people, it's people in developing countries all over the world, people who are in need. And sometimes that's not impoverishment monetarily. Uh, that is loneliness. That is other kinds of, of problems. So I think it really starts with acknowledging that there are issues in the world that need taking care of. And also acknowledging the Bible, the red letters of the Bible, right, Tony? Yes, the word. And, and from, from, from that acknowledgement, I think we move into then acceptance. That, okay, we acknowledge these things, and then we go about working toward accepting our responsibility, my responsibility, accepting that there are needs in the world, and accepting these commands of the Bible, accepting these red letters, as difficult as that is. And then once we go from acknowledgement to acceptance, then we move to the third A, and that's action. And you know, there are a lot of of different types of action, and I think sometimes we get a little bit overwhelmed 
because we think of all of the problems in the world as poverty fatigue, right? There's so many hands that are asking for, for money, so many charities, so many needs, so much injustice. And, you know, we need to start somewhere. Okay. And that might be through volunteering. It might be through being kind to someone who's lonely. It might be giving to effective charities. But somehow, some kind of action needs to start. Okay, let me be specific. As you know, this program uh, called Across the Pond, uh, because we put it together here in the United States, promotes red-letter Christianity, for people to say, you know, some of the old Bibles here in the United States have the words of Jesus highlighted with red letters, and Shane Claiborne, who usually does the show with me, but is out on a speaking tour right now, would say, what would happen if we all took the words of Jesus seriously? Now, here are the words of Jesus. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, read the Sermon on the Mount, 5th, 6th, 7th chapters of Matthew. He says this, if anybody asks you for money, give it to him. This troubles Christian people. They're out on the street, and these homeless people come up, and ask for money. And I, I think so many of our Christian brothers and sisters say, there's a strong likelihood that this money I give to this man or this woman is going to be used for drugs, will be used in ways that are detrimental to the individual's well-being. Uh, what do I do when somebody comes up and asks for money on the street? I'm on my way to a meeting. I can't stop and take this person out to a uh, get a hot dog or a hamburger at a restaurant no, nearby. It's right there, right then. Hey, mister, I need some money to get some food. What should the Christian do in that situation? Another tough question. And, you know, I think that is for an individual to decide. Okay, how do you himself. decide? How do I decide? What do you do? What do you well, do when that happens? You know, I've. I've, I've heard people say, and, and I, would, I would speak from my own experience that, or my, my own assumptions, I guess, that, you know, it is true oftentimes that if you give some money, you know, to somebody, then that individual with his or her agency can go out and do, you know, as he or she pleases. And it may not be something for, for their, their good. And that's the reality of life on the streets because there are so many, so many poles and so many addictions well, what do you do um, when, when somebody con- asks you for money? Do you give it to him or her? I generally do not. Mm-hmm. I generally do not. Um, I have. It depends on, on the context, on the country, on, uh, on all kinds of things. Um, but there, there are other ways of, of helping people. Um, I've heard, I heard a charity worker a few months ago in Oxford, UK, talking about how, you know, you give money to somebody on the street and they're going to go out and do something with it. Maybe that's not good for them. But he was promoting his own charity. Um, but if you give to his charity, then he will be able to help homeless people in their real times of need, like if they need a ticket to get uh, to the, a funeral or something, you know, and that, that's what his charity does. And so there are, you know, there's all kinds of ways of looking at this question, at this concern, and there's no right way. My answer, my response is not the response that everyone should give, but it's we just have to work it out on our own and in the best way that we can with discernment and prayer as well. There's a very interesting uh, uh, response. We, we've run programs in uh, 19 different cities across the United States and have young people 
from all over come and work with us. Many from the United Kingdom come over and work with us here in the United States on the streets, and uh, they work in impoverished neighborhoods, and they're confronted with people who want money, who reach out and say, hey, mister, I'm hungry, I need money for food. Uh, I've listened to these young people give answers. One of them says, yeah, uh, they might use the money irresponsibly, but doesn't God do that with us? God allows us to have money, and in 99% of the cases, we use the money that God gives us irresponsibly. So why should we, why should we be judgmental about these homeless people when God, in fact, trusts us, even though we have proved untrustworthy? Uh, the second thing is, uh, one of the kids said to me, look, Jesus said I should ask of people, I should give to people who ask. Uh, giving is my responsibility. What they do with that money is their responsibility. I have to answer uh-huh. to God if I do not respond to their request. They are going to have to answer to God if they take the money and use it in ways that are contrary to what they said they were going to use it for and detrimental to their own well-being. What's your response to those kinds of things? I think that those are very good points. Um, I do think that if we we look at this whole thing in a different way, look at it in terms of effectiveness, there would be some organizations like Giving What We Can. um, That's an organization starting here in Oxford. They talk about giving money to the mo- in the most effective way or to the most effective charities, and they have their way of analyzing which ones those are and or are not. And so they would probably say, well, you know, you need to give to the most effective charities, and then they can do what they need to do. Um, those are very good points of what, what you said, Tony, and that, you know, we give in terms of our responsibility, and then they do what they do, and then they're responsible to God. You know, that's all part of the discernment process. Um, sometimes, you know, what, what you might find is that if you offer to, you know, buy a bus ticket uh, for somebody, then they might, you know, say, oh, I, you know, I changed my mind, or why don't you just give me the money instead of buying me the bus ticket? And then you realize that, you know, the, what they want to do with the money um, is not specifically what they had said uh, it, it w- would be used for. And so, these are all tough questions and all things that we have to think about. But as we're walking, we don't always get to, you know, have these long kinds of philosophical or theological uh, discussions in our minds as we're as we're dealing with these kinds of questions each day. I, and uh, so, yeah, there are things to think about and, and things that we have to work out in our own minds. Okay, if you're the pastor of a local church, what should the local church be doing? The local church in an urban, um, yes, urban, in an urban area. Let's say, or that's where they usually hang out. Yeah. Well, there was uh, a church in Harvard Square, a church in Boston that would come to Harvard Square about once a week, uh, and then there's actually another another a pastor too that would come on Sundays and he would give a, a service, and then after the service they would go around and pass out sandwiches and. Uh, bottles of water and such to people on the streets. But this uh, this other church I was thinking about, they uh, they would come on uh, I think Tuesday nights and set up. Um, you know, they would do some singing among themselves, and they would have these kind of uh, sandwiches and such that they would serve soup and all as a way to kind of build relationships with people. And they did. Their their team um, knew a lot of people out on the streets. 
And that is a very interesting, very good model of, of engaging with people who are on the streets in a welcoming way, not in a way that, you know, they would think that they have to join in the singing or they have to join in, they have to go to their services. No, not that at all. It's, it's a way of being able to engage people, to talk with people, because, you know, a lot of people on the streets are lonely. And actually, a lot of people who are not on the streets are lonely, too. And this kind of co- community the conversation is really important. I was just uh, reading the other day that um, in 2016 and 2017, here in the U.K., there were 273 people who jumped in front, in front of trains, committed suicide. Now, the organization that did this study claims that, if, uh, that, that for every one person that died, there were six people who did not die because – did not commit suicide – because – someone engaged them in a short chat. Mm-hmm. And and that was enough to be able to help uh, those other people not commit suicide. And so whether people are on the street or not on the street, people are in need of, of care, people in need of conversation, talking about the weather, these kinds of small things can be really important for people. Mm-hmm. And so if a church, to answer your question, for a church to be able to go out and engage even very informally Mm-hmm. But on a regular basis, to go mm-hmm. out and to talk to people, you know, to give away food if, if possible, okay, but if not, at least to go around and to engage people, um, I think can be really valuable. Uh, I'm talking to John Frame. He's written a book called Homeless at Harvard. Uh, he works among homeless people, uh, both uh, in the United Kingdom and in the United States. But he wrote a book about uh, homeless people that hung out in the grounds of Harvard University, uh, just outside of Boston. Um, his book is called Homeless at Harvard, and you can get that uh, via Amazon, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, uh, in the book, uh, you have some wonderful things to say. I'm Tony Campolo. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. We promote what we call Red Letter Christianity. In the book, what are you trying to tell us? In the book, um, as well, pu- uh, Publishers Weekly, uh, whenever they, they wrote a little uh, snippet about the book, and they said that it was meant to humanize the marginalized and introduce the reader to how homeless people live, and that relates to their struggles and their community, as we talked about earlier, and their desire for, for uh, relationships. Um, but one thing that's really special, Tony, about the book um, is a part that I didn't even write. And these are the narratives of uh, four of the homeless friends mm-hmm. um, who are in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and these are what I call mini-chapters, first-person perspectives, uh, or in the words of sections throughout the book that, that highlight what their lives are like, what our relationships is like, me and, and them, and their relationships on the street, their struggles, all these kinds of things. And these all came from interviews I held with these guys um, about uh, maybe a couple, three years or so after that summer. I sat down with them with their permission, um, included their words in the book. And I think that that's a really special part of the book, actually, because it, it highlights these individuals and it, it, it brings their reality to life, their character to life, if you will. And, and what do you and think? It that really the, helps the reader understand them. What do you think the reader will learn about? these brothers uh, who are uh, interviewed in this book? What, what do you think they might learn from them? I think that they will learn about 
their their stories about their personalities about how people who are on the streets whether they're you know about their life yeah, but about, uh, about specifically what would they learn about their lives well they would learn about their struggles they would learn about and, um the difficulties that they've had they would learn about their could you addiction. cite some of those difficulties some of those difficulties would be suicidal thoughts alcohol addiction uh cocaine addiction mm. these kinds of things wow tough, tough stuff mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, do you think the church is doing a, a an effective job in reaching out? I know a lot of churches are trying to do it. I think that the church and Christians in general, I think we can always do more. Um, of course. Homelessness mm-hmm. is just one representation of, you know, all kinds of poverty and injustice and bad things that are going on in the world. And not every church may you know, be able to have a homeless ministry, but they might be able to do something else for other issues of injustice or poverty. And I think as long as churches are doing something, they are, you know, engaging their congregations and, you know, in in action and helping the world, both at an individual level and as a community, as a church, I think that's where churches need to be. Mm. You know, uh, Willow Creek Community Church is under a great deal of fire these days, uh, but uh, its former pastor, uh, who is in real trouble, um, set up a program for the homeless. Did you ever follow what they're doing? I, I, I'm not aware of, of what they're doing. Well, uh, first of all, if you're going to become a member of the church and they've got like uh, 20,000 members, you have to pledge yourself to spending 10 hours a week in ministering to people who are in need. Most of those people choose to work with homeless people in the community. So they've got not just hundreds, but a couple of thousand people out on the streets of Chicago uh, because they're in the suburb of Chicago, uh, getting to know people, trying to help people to find their way in the messed up world uh, with their messed up lives. They get to know these people. Now, here's the most interesting thing. There's a Wednesday night meeting that they have at the church. And those people that work on the streets invite these brothers and sisters to come to that service. And they go out and pick them up, drive them to the church. I've spoken on three different occasions to that Wednesday night gathering. So there's about maybe four or 5,000 people in the congregation, half of whom are homeless. And, uh, they do a wonderful job with that. Uh, I, I, I guess you know the Shane Claiborne story. Who, Shane, who usually mm-hmm. does the show with me, about the shoes. Did you ever hear that story? Oh, probably, but uh, re- refresh well, my he, memory. He, he w- had the youth program there at the church when he was a student, and um, he was in charge of youth. So uh, there's about 300 kids in the youth group. It's a big youth group. And... Uh, he said, you know, I've been watching what this church has been doing in Chicago, and it's really incredible. They're really doing it brilliantly. You give out clothes, give out food. The one thing they never give out are shoes. I noticed these mm. people had worn out shoes. Nobody ever brings them shoes. So at the end of this program, uh, when we say the benediction, if God's leading you, would you please take off your shoes, bring them up, and leave them here at the altar, and I'll see that they get distributed in Chicago. Well, needless to say, kids started doing it, and once it started, there was no stopping it. 
And uh, uh. so they had 300 pairs of shoes. They took them into Chicago. When the parents came to pick up these kids in the middle of the winter, it were these kids shoeless. And Bill Hybels, who was the pastor, said, it got the conversation going about the homeless as nothing else could. The name of the yes, book indeed. is Homeless at Harvard. That's where he happened to be. Are you able to get to know the people in your area who are homeless? I don't care how big or how small your town is. There's somebody kicking around who's homeless, and uh, Jesus calls you to reach out to them. Would you get the book? You can order the book. It's called Homeless at Harvard. Amazon is carrying it. I checked it out. I made sure it is. You can get the book via Amazon. My guest today was John Frame, who's written the book. He's over in England right now. Uh, But uh, how can they write to you, John? Well, my website is homelessatharvard.com. That'll do it. And uh, check check out my website there, homelessatharvard.com. Good deal. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, This is Tony Campolo. Uh, Premier Radio has us on every week at this time at 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Keep tuning in and keep supporting uh, Premier Radio. Without their help, we wouldn't be on the air. And uh, I want to thank one more time John Frame, the uh, author of the book Homeless at Harvard, and uh, learn about homeless people, not only what he's doing with them, but what you can do about them. Blessings on you.